that's why we've come to this place to praise the risen one so right where you are why don't you take a moment and quietly do that why don't you say to God whatever it is that wells up out of your heart in gratitude for the fact that we have a risen Savior reigning and sovereign over all now God probably most of us came into this room carrying the loads of life we're glad you understand that and know all about it why don't you entrust some of that stuff to the risen sovereign Jesus Christ right now right where you're standing invite him into whatever the issues are now God would you speak to us in these next moments in a very powerful way would you help us to sense oh God your presence here and your personal involvement in each of our journeys so that when we leave here in a few minutes we leave as different people because we've had an encounter with the living God in the name of Jesus Christ I pray amen and amen I invite you to be seated as I'll invite the children the little ones up through grade four to go to the teachers who are ready to receive them thank you dear worship leaders for the wonderful way in which you brought us into God's presence today could I invite you to do something with me for a moment would you fold your hands just like this for a moment and then if there's room uh, open up your arms just a little bit like this and could I invite you to consider that your left arm represents the year that you have just completed 2013 and your right arm represents the year that you're about to begin 2014 now imagine that your knuckles here represent a hilltop put yourself on the hilltop and look back over your year what stands out in your 2013 as being some of the most significant experiences in your 2013 significant relationships that grew and developed or maybe that struggled significant decisions that you made now look ahead to 2014 like this new fallen snow it spreads out before you there's just only a couple little footprints that have been made in the first two or three days of the year your year out ahead of you what do you think it might be well by now you've probably lost the feelings in your arms so you can go ahead and let them down Don and I like to always see if we can take a couple of days at the end of each year to do exactly that together as a married couple look back over our year what happened in the journey what was significant who are we as a couple as a result how did we see God work and then look forward and ask God to show us a bit of an idea of what he would like to accomplish in our lives in our marriage in our ministries in our relationships it's very often during that time that I'm asking God to confirm do you have one special verse God that would really be significant for us not just Dawn and me but all of us I found it he showed me a verse that I think could be powerful for us Moses is standing before the group of people the next generation the old ones who had come out of Egypt have all died off 
And in Deuteronomy 30, he comes to the end of the book of Deuteronomy, which you know is his, essentially his long farewell speech to the people, to the young generation, saying to them, get ready to go into the new land. And he says this in verse 19 and 20 of chapter 30. You'll see it there in your notes. Now choose life so that you and your children, why don't you read it with me? You see it there. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, so that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. And maybe you're sitting here today as an adult and you're not married and you're saying, well, I don't have any children. Or maybe you're married, but you've never had the privilege of bearing children. Or maybe you have children, but they live far away, and you're saying, it really doesn't apply to me. May I ask that you take the word children and open it up to be anyone that your life influences. Anyone that your life influences. That your choices and mine not only affect our future, but affect the people whose lives we touch. Do you agree with that? Now, could I ask you to do one more thing with your hands? It'll help keep you awake for another couple seconds. Just kind of hold them out like this. Imagine that in your left hand is the entire lifetime that you have lived up to this moment. Your whole life is in this hand. Imagine that in your right hand is your future. For the rest of your life, however long you're going to live, and in between is this weekend. Now, we can't do anything about what's in our left hand the past. We can do everything about what's in the right hand. And the question is, this weekend, as you step into the new year, what could you learn this weekend? What decisions could you make this weekend that could profoundly impact the rest of your life, what's in your right hand? Now choose life. Would you help me look at those three words for a minute? Because, boy, I have been pondering them. And I think God has showed me some things that, if you'll grasp them with me, and maybe even dig a little deeper than I've dug, you might find some powerful truth for the rest of your life. Now. Now choose life. The word now. I've got some notes I wrote down for you there in your worship folder. Would you consider that now is a precious, unique moment in time? The reason that I think that's important is we spend so much time looking forward that we rush through the now and we often miss it. Would you agree? Now is a God gift. Part of why I love the Bible is it's the stories of real people like you and me and how God reached from his throne room in heaven in a specific moment of now time and reached into our world and did something in the lives of normal folks like you and me. And would you consider that there was a moment where God said, Now! And he reached into your mother's womb and he conceived you. And he brought you full term to birth because he loves you. And he wanted to have the joy of watching you live your life, hopefully in relationship with him. Now, don't miss the value of the nows of the rest of your life. huh? now is lived in the shadow of yesterday now is not an isolated moment in time now is lived in the cumulative journey of your life do you agree with that now also positions you for tomorrow 
guess what? When we wake up tomorrow, Sunday is yesterday. So when we're in the now moments, making the now decisions, let's remember that it's going to impact tomorrow. Your now choices position you for the rest of your life. Now positions you for all of eternity. And one of the wonderful things that's available to you and to me, we can live in the now moment, having trusted Jesus Christ to be our Savior, with the absolute confidence that there, if there is no more nows, if today is your last day on this planet, tomorrow you will be in God's presence. Amen? That's a wonderful thing to live with. Don't minimize the value of now. Now choose. Have you considered that you and I, human beings, are the only thing that exists that has the ability to choose the way God has designed choice? Birds and fish and trees and rocks can't choose. God has placed in your skull and in mine a brain to think. He's given us the ability to reason right from wrong. He's actually given us the ability to look forward and anticipate. If I choose this path, here's what might happen. If I choose this path, here's what... Isn't that true? God has given us the ability that as we're making our choices, they're influenced by our emotions, our feelings. In fact, sometimes too much. Anybody else sometimes make a choice that's way too emotional? And you, you regret it later, not having stopped a moment in thought. Our choices are affected by the influence of other people, especially the people we love and respect. Our choices are influenced by television commercials and radio commercials. There's a lot of people making a lot of money to try to convince you to spend your money to get something you don't really need. <laughs> our choices involve our will. God's given to us as human beings the ability to make a choice, a will. Our, our choices involve our character. They flow out of the character of who you are. They flow out of your personality, right? Your, your choices reflect your desires, your hopes, your dreams, your goals. Our choices become decisions that define us as people in our legacy. But do you see I wrote for you in here, we live with the consequences of our choices. Do you agree with that? As God created us in his image and gave us the privilege of thinking and deciding and making choices, free will, he also says, along with free will comes responsibility. You live with the consequences of your choices. All of us in this room who are parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles, we've had the privilege of telling the children, the little ones, that over and over, haven't we? Sometimes as we're bending them over our knee and applying some enthusiasm to help them learn that, you live with the consequences of your choices. Am I right? And you see, I wrote one last thing here for you. No choice in the now moment of decision is a choice. Have you noticed, or, or am I not seeing it clearly, that, that we live in an America today where you will put off the decision as long as you possibly can, keeping all the options open until the very last moment? That's a bit of an epidemic that has affected Calvary Community Church. 
We try our best to let you know wonderful things that are happening, but with few exceptions, it's not until we open the doors that we actually know how many people are coming, and it's pretty hard to plan for that. There's a few exceptions. The Advent dinner would be one. You're not getting in the door without a ticket. <laughs> Why is that? That we want to keep all the options open as long as we can. We want to procrastinate the choice, the decision as long as we can. And then have you noticed that very often when we get to the moment of decision, we want to know, and what's my out if it doesn't work out the way that I would like it to? Can I change my mind later if it doesn't seem to be? Am I right? Hmm. Now choose life. No decision is a decision. I wonder if you would want to recite with me the most famous of all Bible verses, John 3.16. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have everlasting life. Do you know what follows that in verse 17 and 18? Let me read it for you because it tells us that no decision is a decision. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18 says, Whoever believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned, what's the next word? Already because he has not believed in God's one and only Son. What does that mean? It means that you and I are born on a path taking us away from God. And every additional step in life, every additional day we live, takes us further and further away from God. It's our sin nature, right? And unless we do something about that, we will end up in a place where we are eternally separated from God. It requires a choice. A choice that recognizes I'm going the wrong direction. Turning to God and recognizing who God is, who Jesus is, what Jesus accomplished for me, acknowledging my sin and asking Him to save me. God then reaches into my life, doesn't He? And He draws me to Himself and He forgives me and He restores me into relationship with Him. I'm on a new path now. But if I don't make that choice, no choice is a choice. Do you agree with that? No decision to change keeps me going in this direction, and I will end up eternally separated from God. Now choose life. I'm going to be trying an experiment, and I'd like to invite you to join me. What would it be like for the next days, weeks, months, maybe if I could for the rest of my life, every time I find myself in this now moment of decision, stop and say those three words. Now, before I make a decision, before I take one more step, choose life. But what does that mean? It means that every choice I make shapes my life and impacts the lives of the people who my life touches. Jesus said, I have come. He said many things about why he had come. But he said in John 10.10, the thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come so you might have life and live it to the fullest. 
So what would it look like if every time I had an important decision to make, I'm making it to be a God-honoring choice, to grow me to be more of a God-honoring man? And what if you did the same? Do you see, I wrote in your notes for you, there is this interesting balance, antithesis thing in every choice we make. Would you consider this? Every choice either wounds or heals, either helps or hinders, either encourages or discourages, either breeds hope or worry, either brings the light of truth or the darkness of confusion, either nourishes life or death. There are very few decisions that we make in life that are neutral with very little ramifications, both for me and for everybody I touch, both for you and everybody you touch. Life affects lives. Choices affect other people. Now, if you and I could grasp this and own it, and change the way we make our choices, our decisions. Do you see the difference that it could make? I wrote for you here that choices build legacies. It's the human journey. Life and legacies are built through the now choices over time. Legacy shaping choices reflects my values, my priorities, my passions, my character. Legacies, it seems to me, are, are inherited we, we receive, each of us, a legacy from our families, and through our choices, we refine those legacies, and then we turn around and pass them to those who follow us, right? So all of us are in that process right now of refining the legacy that you received as you're passing it to those around you. Now, on my mountaintop the last few days as I've been reflecting on this, I, I thought about four different legacies, and there's some room there in your notes that you can add a couple. What do you think about this? Here's the first one. Family. All of us have a family legacy. You have a name. Your name reflects your family. Uh, you came from somewhere. <laughs> even if you were adopted, even if you were never adopted, you exist because a man and a woman came together and God reached in there and created life. You. All of us have a family heritage of some kind. What is that legacy? How is it changing with you? All of us have a life purpose legacy. When you look back at 2013, what was the purpose for you this last year? You lived 365 days. You were awake most of that time. <laughs> if you're still working, you were at your workplace, investing your career. If you were at home raising children or whatever you were doing. So what was this last year all about? What difference did it make in our world? What was your life purpose? What is the legacy of your life purpose? We all have a spiritual legacy. Even if you don't consider yourself a religious person, all of us have a spiritual legacy that we are shaping. You see, I put in your notes there that it is rooted in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Is he just some faraway, distant, historical figure? Or is he God incarnate who is in fact your Savior and your Lord? Is your life aligned with him or out of sync with him? Your spiritual legacy includes the moral foundation of your life. What is the moral foundation of your life? That's your spiritual legacy. What are you doing with that? 
Your spiritual legacy includes your eternal destiny. If you don't wake up tomorrow morning, where will you spend eternity? The truth is, in our experience here at Calvary, that probably there are sitting in this room right now some folks who will not be with us a year from now. Maybe several. For whom this will be your last year on planet Earth. Your spiritual legacy, what you're doing about your relationship with Jesus Christ, what he's doing in your life determines your eternal destiny. Do you agree with that? And how about your resource legacy? Time. Is that about the most valuable resource of all? So how are you doing in the management of the time resource that God is entrusting to you every day, every week, every year, all the years that you've lived up to this point? How about your talents, your gifts, your abilities? What's the legacy of how you're using those? How about your relationships? What's the legacy of how you're using your relationships? to affect other people, to make a difference in this world. How about our finances? We're coming up to that time of the year where all of us have that wonderful, joyful experience of digging out all of our receipts and filling out our tax forms and taking a great big gulp that we can't believe how much needs to go to Washington, right? And Madison, I guess. Here's my question. What would it be like if Jesus Christ physically was able to sit next to you as you were working on your taxes this year? And what would it be like if occasionally you pointed to some of the numbers on that tax form and said, Jesus, what do you think about that? What do you think about how I spent those resources this year? From your perspective, Jesus, as you look over the whole world and all that's going on in our day, all over the world, and as you pile up all the receipts of all the way you spent the money, was that really a wise use of the resources that you entrusted to me this year? Do I need to make some changes in my resource legacy this next year, God? Now, there's some room there, as you can see, that you can add another one or two if you've got some other legacies that are significant to you. But may I ask you that over the next few days, you might consider taking some time and ask yourself the questions that I have listed there for you in your notes. How did each legacy change in 2013? What will 2014 hold for each of them? What were my defining moments in the year 2013? Who will I become? How will I refine each legacy in 2014, beginning now, the first weekend of 2014? Those are fair questions, don't you think? They're kind of penetrating, but they're fair. I wonder if this has happened to you. I suspect it has to all of us. You've made a decision and you're not very far into the choice and you look back and go oh boy I'd give almost anything to go back and make a different decision anybody else ever done that I found a little video that helps us understand this now it's made in the UK so you're gonna to have to tweak your ears just a little bit to understand the dialogue watch this We're following the news out of Haiti. The largest, most powerful earthquake in the region's history has just crippled the country. There are reports of collapsed buildings, pictures of dead bodies in the streets, and reports of trapped victims screaming for help. Oh my gosh. One aid worker told the officials he fears there may be thousands of people dead. I wish I could do something. 
I should do something. Well, there's nothing I can do right now anyway. broken down. Ah, oh, here goes someone. He probably needs help. Come on, mate. Stop. Stop. Please stop. Perhaps I should stop. But I'll be late. Nah, he ain't stopping. This is not good. Not good. I should he have could helped. have helped. broken down. Ah, oh, here goes someone. He probably needs help. Come on, mate. Stop. Stop. Please stop. Perhaps I should stop. You right, mate? Do you need a hand? Yeah, mate, thanks for stopping. Look, the van, she's completely dead, and I've got to get to the airport in about an hour. Mm. Tell you what, jump in and I'll take you. Brilliant, you're a good man. up anywhere nice? <laughs> Not really. Probably the worst place on the planet. But I have to go. Well, it can't be any worse than that place I just heard on the radio with the earthquake. <laughs> That's the one. Haiti. Wow. <laughs> Where on earth are you going there? I'm a retainer firefighter. I'm going out to lend a hand. Even if we can just save one life. It's got to be worth it, right? Well, I think that's very brave of you. And I wish you the very best. Thanks, mate. You're a lifesaver. Don't mention it. Cheers, mate. And now some breaking news. It's been two days since the devastating earthquake struck Haiti still more and more survivors are being found. Recently, a single UK firefighter managed to pull seven people trapped from beneath the rubble of a three-story building. never know the lasting effect of our choices. Do you agree with that? As I've reflected on this verse, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 and 20, now choose life. I went back to the beginning of Moses' speech to that generation. Would you join me there for just a couple of minutes, Deuteronomy chapter 1? Because I'd like you to see there, hopefully it will help you, to learn how do we live out now choose life. 
Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 3, In the fortieth year, on the first day of the eleventh month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him. He is beginning his farewell message there. It's a specific moment in time. The day and the year is given to you there. That's a now statement. Verse 6, Moses says to the people, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You've stayed long enough at this mountain. That's a choice statement. The Lord our God is relationship. God had initiated a choice to Abraham. Leave that idolatrous land where you live. Come and follow me. I'm going to bless you with a new home. And you and your old wife who don't have children, I'm going to give you a miracle son. And from you will come a whole nation of people. And you'll be my people and I'll be your God. Relationship. Moses was saying to the people, God made a choice and we've made a choice. The Lord our God. Celebrate that. You've stayed at the mountain long enough. Break camp, verse 7, and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples. That's a life statement. Go from this place and move forward, and over the next period of time, do this. That, that's perfect for this weekend, isn't it? 2013 is behind us. 2014 lies before you. Break camp. Move from this place in just a few minutes and go out and start living 2014. See, I've given you this land, verse 8. Go in and take possession of it. So, verse 19, Moses said, As the Lord commanded us, we set out and we went. He goes on to say that they arrived at that place called Kedesh Barnea. They were looking over at the new land, and the people said, in verse 22, Let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report. The idea seemed good to me, so I selected 12 of you, one man from each tribe. It was a moment in time. We need to do something. Let's choose some men and send them. That's a now statement. I selected the men and sent them. That's a choice statement. And then when they came back, bringing the fruit of the land, it says in verse 25, they reported, it's a good land, and the Lord our God is giving it to us. But you were unwilling to go up. That's a choice statement. You received the information, and you didn't receive it. You didn't act on it. You refused it. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, The Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites. That's a choice statement. You chose to mistrust God. You chose to twist the information. You chose to accuse God, the same God who loves you and who's rescued you. You said, where can we go? Verse 28, our brothers have made us lose heart. That's a choice. You're blaming them for their report rather than blaming yourself for the decision that you've made. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large and the walls are up to the sky. Verse 29, then I said to you, don't be terrified. That's a powerful life statement. Don't be terrified. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. There you saw how the Lord carried you as a father carries his son. You found it very often, friends, when we stand in that now moment where we're making a choice. God says, look back and learn from the past, especially about me and who I am, my character, my nature, my promises, before you make a decision that affects the future. Right? Can we learn that, friends? When we refuse to look back in the past, we blind ourselves from all the lessons that are available to us to help us make right 
choices now. And every one of us in this room lives with the fact that we've made wrong choices. We disregarded the past. Let's not do that going forward into 2014. When the Lord heard you heard what you said, verse 34, he was angry and he solemnly swore, not a man of this generation shall see the good land except Caleb the son of Jephunneh. That's a choice statement, but you know what? That's a God choice statement. Watch this. God had led the people to that place. He had proven reliable and faithful and trustworthy and loving and strong. And they said, no, we don't trust you, God. So God said, okay, then I choose. The door of opportunity is closed. You cannot go forward into the new land. Turn around and go back into the desert. And more than that, you won't be given the opportunity to go in until every one of you, age 20 and older, dies in the desert. I will not lead a faithless generation into the new land. Watch that, friends. When we stand in the now moment to make decisions, God sometimes responds to our decisions, doesn't he? Sometimes he responds with great blessing because we've chosen wisely. He'll lead us forward. He'll protect us. He'll guide us. But if we've chosen wrongly, sometimes he closes the door of opportunity. And no matter how hard we try to push it open, because we didn't now choose life, because we didn't seek his guidance, we went our own way, the door of opportunity closes. Forty years, the children grew up wandering in the desert waiting for their parents to die so they would be given the opportunity to make the right choice. Think about that, my dear friends. History was shaped by the refusal of the chosen generation to choose life. Forty years of death row wandering. A young generation survived, daily dependent upon God for life, waiting for the cloud of doubt to dissipate. Do you agree with that? So I looked back at the end of chapter 30, just before Moses said that great verse. Are there any other clues as to how to make the right choices? And I see in verse, uh, verse 11 of chapter 30, Moses saying, Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult. It's not on the far side of the ocean that you have to go find the answer. No, it is in you, verse 14. The word is very near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. The word, you and I have God's word in so many translations, it could probably fill your desk, don't we? We have it accessible to us on the internet. What Moses is saying here is if you want to learn how to make the right choices, fill your mind and your heart with God's word. Let God guide you in those moments of decision. Do you agree with that, friends? And if you don't, then verse 17 is going to happen. But if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day, you will certainly be destroyed. There is a self-destruction, isn't there, when we choose wrongly, when we choose the path that leads us away from God and God's best for us. It's a self-destructive path. Do you agree with that? So he finally says in verse 19, Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Somebody got a ring of keys that I could borrow for just a second. John, you got keys in your pocket? Anybody got a ring of keys? Thank you. Now choose life. The next two words, so that. Keys. The words so that are like keys. What do they unlock? So that you and your children may live a victorious, God-honoring, celebrative life. 
And if you don't choose life, the path for you and those you influence will get darker and darker. We know that. We've experienced it, haven't we? Now choose life so that you may love the Lord your God. The key of choosing life, it opens your heart to receive God's love and to love Him in return. If you don't choose life, it closes your heart. It gets hard. And you reject God and you can't believe that He loves you and you accuse Him like those people do of hating you and you can't love Him back. Now choose life so that you can learn to listen to His voice. It opens your mind and your heart and your ears to be able to hear God speak to you through His word. It opens your heart so that you can hold fast to Him. If you choose life, you'll find yourself grasping tightly onto God so that when you find yourself in the storm, you're not there alone. You're there with Jesus. Amen? Now choose life so that the key unlocks four great, wonderful things. But if you don't choose life, you go down a path where it gets darker and darker. For the Lord is your life. Thank you, John. Powerful. Would you agree? For the rest of my life, I'm going to try my best the next time I come to an important decision point to grab a set of keys and dangle them in front of my face to remember, this is an important decision-making moment, Doug. There's a clear difference between now choose life and no, and it'll affect me and my family and my friends and my church family. It's not just me making an isolated decision. How perfect for us to have communion today. Because Jesus makes all this possible, right? Choosing life is choosing Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So as the elements are passed to you, the bread and the cup, it's a wonderful celebration today that Jesus makes now choose life possible for you and for me. So why don't we talk to him about that for a minute as the men prepare to serve us. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you. We prepare our hearts now to celebrate and honor and acknowledge what you accomplished for us. You didn't have to come here, but you did. God incarnate, and you proclaimed to us God's truth and God's love for us. You went all the way to the cross, re being rejected by humanity and bearing the wrath of God for our sin, just punishment for our sin. You died as an atonement sacrifice for us. You rose victorious over sin, Satan, and death, so we can, in fact, be rescued. We can, in fact, choose life. Thank you for making it possible for us. Why don't you just spend the next moment preparing your heart so that as the men come to you to bring you the cup and the bread, your heart is ready. You don't have to be a member of Calvary Community Church to take communion with us. We just ask that you're sure that you've trusted Jesus Christ, that you chose life. And take these next moments to talk to him about that and where you are in the journey as we honor him in the celebration of communion together. Gentlemen, would you serve us, please?